Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Super Bowl week is here. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Jay and I are at the Seaport Key in L.A. for Super Week. Good morning, guys. Morning. What it do, what it do, what it do. Yeah, Mike McDaniels, what it do. Mm. Tell you what, let's face it. The whole eyebrow-raising thing about Mike McDaniel is the glasses, right? (laughs) 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 You take a look at him, you go, wait, that's the football coach? As soon as he got those glasses... It looks, uh, it's like, I haven't seen a football coach look like this exactly. (laughs) He makes fun of his size and stuff, but for me, it's the glasses. It's the line, though, creative offensive mind. Like, whenever I hear that now, it's just like, oh, that's what... That's what's in for new coaches these days. So, so yeah, he is small, Max. He's five nine. Yeah, five. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm saying, but like, to, I know, he, and he makes fun of that about himself. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's going to be interesting when he gets to yelling at the big old offensive line. <laughs> yeah, but then, but for me, the thing that does it is because he doesn't just have glasses. He has the kind that shrink down your eyes because you are nearsighted. Believe me, I know all about that. So, who is Mike McDaniel, and why is he? Why was he hired? Um, he's been in the NFL for 15 years, all with Kyle Shanahan, graduated from Yale in 05, where he played wide receiver, Yale in 05, where he played wide receiver, the ball boy for the Broncos, for Kyle's dad, Mike, um, joined Kyle on the Texas staff, worked on the same staff in Washington as Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur under Kyle's dad, Mike. Staff has now had four coaches in the NFL. What's wild to me, too, is the 12 team is the one with RG3 that won 10 games. The 13 team was terrible. They barely won anything. But every coach is, like, running the world now. So he, so McDaniel followed Shanahan to the Browns and the Falcons and then San Francisco when Kyle became coach. And then McDaniel became the 49ers OC when Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, became the Jets OC last season, last year, and he had one season as offensive coordinator. Okay. So all that said, why was he hired? ESPN Dolphins reporter Marcel Luis Jacques on why the Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel. He has constantly been surrounded by by innovators, by people who want to push the envelope, by people who want to find creative ways to move the ball downfield. And third, he is creative enough to extract the most out of this offense. Mike McDaniel is the kind of coach who is going to figure out a way to get the most out of what he currently has. So, yeah, it's key. Like, looks like that they want to see what they got in Tua, and they're willing to have a coach take another shot at it. What do you? What's your thought about the hire? I, I think it's a. I think it's a good hire if that's what they want to do. They went after Brian Dable. That didn't work out. They looked at other offensive-minded coaches because they have a, a young quarterback that that some people within the organization, including Chris Greer, the general manager, feels like has an opportunity to be successful and they want to put him in the best position to be successful at the quarterback spot. So they went out and hired a guy who has worked with the Shanahan family from the start of coaching when he was an intern with the Denver Broncos. He followed basically Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, through the coaching tree, uh, so to speak, around the evolution of the NFL. And then his stop in San Francisco became the coordinator. Now all of a sudden he gets his own gig. The question is to me is, Who's going to actually call the plays and who's going to put things in motion? Because typically when you are hired as an offensive coordinator, 
to a head coach, you usually are the guy who calls the plays. And now I think they've got to find out who their quarterback coach is going to be in that play caller to be successful. So uh, everybody I talked to down in Miami said that his first interview was off the charts. His second interview was even even more spectacular. And I know a lot of Dolphin fans love the thought of him being their head coach. Fins up, like they always say. Right? I think the interesting thing here is the relationship that he's going to have with Tua because this is the offense that ranked 25th last year in total yards, and there's a lot of room for improvement. So understanding that he came from the Kyle Shanahan tree, that relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo, seeing what he was able and Kyle Shanahan were able to get out of Jimmy G, you, you wonder, like, Tua, a lot of people don't believe Tua can be the guy. I think Tua can be the guy to win a Super Bowl. You just need the right pieces around him, and his confidence needs to continue to ascend. And I think if Mike McDaniel can be the guy that can help Tua go to the next level, I, I, that relationship, that chemistry, something that he lacked with Brian Flores, I think is what they have a chance to reestablish with Mike McDaniel. Key, what do you think? Like, I'm looking at what happened in San Francisco with a guy like Jimmy G, right? And how much do you think that, okay, fine, we get a guy who's usually when you think of, of, of at least when I think of offensive brilliance and in coordinators who are doing new things. I'm thinking about the passing game more than the running game. But in this case, it's the run coordinator. It's the guys doing creative stuff with the run game. And given Tua's skill sets and given Garoppolo's skill sets, is there a fit? It seems like that would export well to Tua. Well, I just want to say run game is only – that, that's a title, man. That's just a title to get you a little extra money. Run game coordinator – all he does with the offensive line coach is basically put in the runs, talk about the runs, the blocking scheme, things of that nature, and passes it to the offensive coordinator implemented with the passing game. But the run game coordinator is not calling the run plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think about the Jimmy Garoppolo sort of kind of development and what they want to do from an offensive standpoint, it's just more about Kyle Shanahan's trust in Jimmy G and getting a feel for his quarterback. When Jimmy G's hot, they'll let him do what he needs to do. But the moment that he starts to cool off and they get a little nervous, they take the ball out of his hands. I don't know if that's the same philosophy that that McDaniels will be with down in Miami with Tua. Let Tua see what Tua gets until he gets, uh, you know, in a situation where he's almost throwing picks and then you take the ball out of his hands. Maybe that is the way that that he'll see it the same way they saw it with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know. I mean, I don't know much about – I mean, I know I know about him, but I don't know much about McDaniels as a coach because you are talking about a giant leap, okay? It, it, this is not an experienced head coach, experienced offensive coordinator. Title is one thing. Calling plays is a different. Well, can you – I mean, look, a big part of this is also – the tree that you come from, right? And that tree, think about what that 2012 Washington coaching staff was, right? Kyle Shanahan was the OC. Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach. Sean McVay was a tease coach. I mean, and then he was part of that staff too. So being part of that whole kind of genre, that tree, I mean, makes you attractive. Yeah, and by the way, two is 13-8 and eight now in his career as a, as a starter, as a quarterback. That ain't bad. So McDaniel, who identifies as multiracial, his dad's black, is the first minority head coach hired during this cycle. The only minority head coaches in the NFL at this moment are McDaniel, Mike Tomlin, the Steelers obviously, Ron Rivera with the Commanders. I'm going to have to get used to saying that. Yes. And Robert Sala with the Jets. Meantime, two jobs remain. The Saints, who interviewed 
Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on Saturday, and the Texans, who are in talks with their defensive coordinator, Lovey Smith, to be their next head coach, according to Adam Schefter and Field Yates. The Texans have included Smith in their discussions all along, but his candidacy has seemed to gain steam in recent days, according to Schefter. Dijon J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. So, uh, you know, Key, a quick, a quick thought on, on Lovey Smith getting the job. I think it's a good. I think it's a good move. Experienced head coach took the Bears to the Super Bowl. Should still be in Tampa Bay as the head coach to this day, but because of political circumstances, he was removed from there. Uh, you know, his college job, whatever. You're not going to win in in Champaign, Illinois. It's just not going to happen. But I think it's a. I think it's a really good hire if, in fact, that that is the case. Yeah, especially if your quarterback situation's up in the air. That dude knows how to win a lot of games, including playoff games, without essentially without a quarterback. A lot was at stake for the Dolphins this offseason. And Stephen A., I know that guy, said there's even more at stake for another franchise at a crossroads. That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can call us at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Hit us up on the Twitter feed, at KeyJ and Max. So Stephen A. was on NBA Countdown and said this about the narrative around Kevin Durant's career. We all love basketball, and we know how phenomenal KD is. I think he's the best in the world when healthy. That's just my personal opinion. That's how much respect I have for him. But I've been in the media for a a little while, 
Mike Wilbon's been in the media for a little while. And there are going to be people. All I'm saying is there's going to be people, especially if Golden State wins and Brooklyn doesn't win. With all of this stuff that went on this year, that is going to look at his choice to join with Kyrie Irving and depart from Steph Curry as opposed to staying with Steph Curry. That's all I'm saying. I ain't saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right. When KD tweeted and said it was egregious for me to say that on NBA Today with Malika and Shanae is when I said it. I'm saying I tweeted back. You're absolutely right. It is egregious. It's unfair. It ain't right. You deserve better. But since when has that had anything to do with headlines on the back pages? It's time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Jay, KD got rabbit ears. I mean, this dude is not afraid Mm -hmm. to engage in the media, even with, and you put me up on this idea that like, Hey, KD, why do you burn our accounts and why are you clapping back on people on Twitter? That's ridiculous. You're a star. Okay. And, and you really opened my eyes to the fact that he treats everyone like people. He cares about what people think. doesn't matter who you are, including someone on TV saying some stuff about him. What are your thoughts about the whole thing? He doesn't care if it's Joe Schmo. He doesn't care if it's Skip Bayless, who has been parading him around as the greatest player of all time, says, I don't like you via Twitter. Um, if it's a random 17-year-old kid who's on the burner, like, he doesn't care. And if it's Stephen A., he doesn't care, too. I, the, the, the interesting thing for me for KD, uh, for a guy that came back off an Achilles injury last year and literally on a 50-point triple-double, essentially um, had crazy games down the stretch, kept his team in it, was a size 16 shoe away from them getting to the NBA Finals. Uh, without Kyrie Irving, James Harden limping on the court, is how the goalposts continue to change. You know, the narrative a couple of years ago was that it was the weakest move ever in the history of the league to go to Golden State. And he won multiple championships at Golden State, got NBA finals, but then the narrative was he has to do this on his own. And now that he's trying to do it on his own, it's like the narrative has become like, well, if he doesn't win it this year and Golden State wins it, you left that for that? Well, yeah, because he's trying to do it on his own. He's trying to do it his way, and this is what comes along with doing it your way. You go through bumps in the road. It's February, man. <laughs> it's, it's February, and these are the dog days of the NBA, and we love to make bigger, like, sweeping landscape type of statements, like, oh, they lost eight in a row. They're going to be out of it. Calm down. Every team goes through their ups and downs. Like, we'll see where this team is when we get to March, April. Yeah, Key? Yeah, they, <clears throat> they have a really good team when they're healthy. There's no question about it. Kevin Durant is probably, you know, the best player in the world when he's healthy and on the court. Doesn't change the way people will try and shape what the narrative is about Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant went to the Golden State Warriors and won championships, but then Kevin Durant decided to leave Golden State to go to Brooklyn because he wanted to do it by himself. I agree with Stephen A. 199%. There are going to be a segment of people in journalism and Twitter and all the other stuff that's out there that will look at Kevin Durant as a failure, which is crazy, opposed to Steph Curry, if he wins it, as a champion and carrying the team that they won the championships with together. They will say, you couldn't do it without Steph Curry. Now, is that wrong? Of course. Should he be paying attention to that trash? No, but for whatever reasons, he pays attention to it, claps back at it. I am the greatest player in the world. I have $100 million contracts. I don't have time to deal with people on social media 
In fact, I don't have time to even deal with Stephen A. Smith in worrying about where my legacy is. I am a first ballot Hall of Famer, period. There's nothing to continue to worry about and get caught up in. I, 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 don't, I just don't understand why Kevin Durant continues to do this. There is no need to. Work. Like, my resume speaks for itself. Key, you know why he does this, Key? This is like the pot calling the kettle I, I black, actually, man. This I actually pot- don't know why he Key, does it. Key, a couple of years ago, you went at Boomer Esiason, right, on radio, because you had made, uh, you called out uh, fan favorite Wayne Corbett, uh, calling him pretty much like a mascot, right? Like in like- Because Boomer Esiason don't know what the hell he's talking about, Jay. Okay. And I didn't do it on social media. I do it straight to Boomer's face. If I have any issues with anybody when I played or not played, I'm going to talk to you one-on-one. I'm not going to be worrying sitting up at 10 o'clock at night Key, talking back and forth on social media. Key. Social media is one on one, especially when I quote tweet you. No, social media no, no, ain't no, no, one on one. No. Well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you what. Well, I'm t- well, you did it via radio, right? Or did you do it on his radio show to his face? Or did you make a statement on radio? Because if you made a statement on radio and it wasn't on his show, that's essentially what a quote tweet is in 2022. But but, but this ain't even first of all, Jay. This ain't even about me. We're talking about Kevin Durant. I know, but I'm. We're not talking about me. I. But I'm. I'm helping you understand that if. You make a comment and you tweet your comment, and I then take your tweet and I quote it, and I put my tweet on top of it. I'm responding directly to you, to you. I'm not making any kind of random statement. I'm saying, yo, this is to you. This is how I feel about what you said. And all I'm saying is Katie has held that type of fire for everybody. And what I will also say about Stephen A., just to provide context for people, I hear that he's saying other people might say that, but he essentially is the one creating that narrative because he's also the one that before has said, hey, look, he left that for this. And I'm just saying because he's coming from a Knicks fan perspective. And he said this publicly before on his platform saying like, oh, I would have been better with the Knicks. So when you understand all the context that comes from that, uh-huh. it will make one question like, all right, well, you're a Knicks fan. You're saying that it would have been better if you were a Knick before. Now you're saying, hey, this Kyrie stuff, you've been doubling down on Kyrie. And now you're going to say this. It would just pose that argument. Forget for about thing. for a second. I can't who's saying, get, forget yeah, about, I was about to say, I can't get caught into a Stephen A and yeah. this, that, and the other. The only thing I know is that Stephen A said that he respects respects Kevin Durant's game. He's the greatest player in the world when he's on the court healthy. I echoed that. Then he went on to say, there are people that will create that narrative, which I agree with, because I know how people do things. My point is, Max, is that Kevin Durant shouldn't pay attention to the garbage. Well, look, period. The way human beings understand the world, this goes for all of us, basically, is we tell stories about the world. It helps us understand, to gather a lot of information, sift through it, and put it in a narrative. That's what we all do, right? So everyone has their own view of things. And sometimes people kind of coalesce around a dominant narrative because it seems to make sense to a lot of people. The way I saw KD is I didn't love when he went to the Warriors because the team had just won 73 games and came within a play in one of the biggest upsets ever of winning the whole thing where they were going to be dubbed the greatest team of all time. If you add any MVP-level player to that team, good luck beating that team. So, yes, he won championships and he was an MVP. We already knew how excellent he was. But what we're wondering about is greatness. Can you lead a team? That without you really does they're not they're not going to be near a championship. But with you, that's a championship team. Then he goes to Brooklyn. When he did that, it's like, oh, look at this. KD is le- leaving the comfort zone 
So, like, he's, he's going to prove his greatness, at least to me and people who thought like me, in a new kind of way. Yes, he can gather different superstar teammates, whatever, but no team. Basically, usually teams win with multiple superstars. Usually, right? No big deal. But it's different than joining a ready-made juggernaut. And now we're seeing how this all plays out. And there will be narratives that what Stephen A. proposed is one of them. Oh, you can't win without Steph. There'll be others. I I don't know that it has to happen this year. I do think a lot is on the line for KD's legacy, just like Stafford in L.A., KD's got to win a championship, Uh, but what I'm saying is he's got to win a championship not on a 73-win Golden State team that he just joins. It doesn't matter. He's still going to the Hall of Fame, man. No doubt, but there are levels in the Hall of Fame, and he should be in the uppermost one. And he will be. Probably. He will be. The Titans are – the Titans say they're sticking with Ryan Tannehill, guys. But is that music to their fans' ears? That's next. Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Okay, ready to run the no-huddle, guys? Duke destroys UNC. In Coach K's final game at Chapel Hill, Duke jumped out to a 31-8 lead through the first 10 minutes. 
fending off a late charge at the end of the first half and winning 87-67. It was the fourth largest of Krzyzewski's career in Chapel Hill. North Carolina has now lost four games by 20 or more. Jay, what do you think about your guys' big win? So I sent a note to MJ, Sam Perkins, James Worthy, Kenny Smith, Harrison Barnes, Tyler Hansborough, everybody, saying pretty much, you know what, everywhere Coach K has gone this year in order to respect the game, that road team has publicly acknowledged him before the game, just saying thank you for what you've given the game. Now, North Carolina decided not to do that because it was a rivalry. So they decided to take a picture in the back with Hubert Davis and Coach K just saying respect. You know what? That's why we smacked that tail. That's what you get for disrespecting the legendary coach who gave so much to this rivalry, the best rivalry in all sports. It should have been by 30, but I'm glad it was at least by double digits and 20. For the second time this season, Lakers coach Frank Vogel benched Russell Westbrook to close out a game. The Lakers beat the Knicks in overtime, 122-115. Westbrook scored five points on one for 10 shooting. Some of them were bad misses with six assists and four turnovers in 29 minutes. Westbrook was booed after clanking a shot off the backboard. First time since first time Westbrook was benched late in the game, he did not speak with the media. This time he did, and here's what he had to say. The best part about um, this game is you win. Guys competed. Uh, we won the game, and that's all that matters. What's next for the Lakers? I you the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got. I'm, I'm. I'm just wondering if you're Rob Palenka and company. I mean, look, Rob Palenka was reportedly the guy that won at Buddy Hield. Bron and company was the guy that won at Russ. Are you looking at what's actually available before the trade deadline is over for what Russ brings? Everybody else, plus minus last uh, Saturday night in their win was plus, with the exception of Russ as a starter was minus fifteen, minus fifteen. Oh, the Lakers made that deal with Russ, obviously, to bring him in because they were like, whatever the fit is, give me the superstar. And the question is, is he still a superstar? Uh, you know, I'm still holding out hope for the second 100%, half. 100% he's still a superstar. I know he was one from 10 shooting, and he had four turnovers in the 30 minutes that he did play. But here's what I would say. And speaking to people close around Westbrook, he's going to continue to fight through his struggles. They're not going anywhere at all. The Lakers are going to be fine as long as LeBron James is on the court. There's going to be some stumbling blocks along the way. They're not trading Anthony Davis, LeBron James, or Westbrook. Part of the reason is the salary cap. They can't move him. So what they're going to try and do is find a few pieces on the lower scale maybe that they, that they can acquire. And if not, they're going to roll it on out and see what happens to the end of the season. Just remember what I always say about Westbrook's second halves. I'm expecting him to catch fire. Okay. Richard, got to hit the rim to do that. You got, you got, yes, it would be nice to hit the rim. Yes. Richard Sherman echoes what Key said about Russell Wilson, guys, from one rust to another. Last week, Key said this about Russell Wilson on this show. Russell Wilson, in my opinion, and it's just in my opinion, was a product of Pete Carroll and that defense. The moment that they took that defense away from him and allowed it to be Cook Russ, they kind of just been a team that makes the playoffs and goes home. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, how many people around the league do we think feel this way about Russell Wilson? Is the, by, by the Okay, that's key. Excuse me. Here is Richard <laughs> Sherman. Listen to Richard Sherman. I jumped the gun. So anxious to get to this. Pow! To Richard Sherman, three-time all-pro cornerback and ex-Russell Wilson teammate. 
You realize we were once in a generation type talent and you should have kept it and appreciated when you had it. So I think the identity of a Pete Carroll and a championship team, as it always has been, is run the ball, limit the limit the turnovers, play solid defense. The best defense is a good run game. You you run the clock. And people are like, let Russell, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. You did not win a Super Bowl letting Russ cook. You have not, you have not, you have not been anywhere close to a Super Bowl letting Russ cook. You have not, you will not be close to a Super Bowl if you let him throw it 30, 40 times a game. So now the question is, Key, how many people around the league feel this way about Russell Wilson? In terms of players or front office executives? Well, do both. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a mixed bag of opinions on Russell Wilson's ability to lead a team to a Super Bowl. I think his best days or or behind him as far as trying to lead a team to the Super Bowl. Even the, even the Super Bowl that they lost to the New England Patriots, that was a defensive-oriented, run-heavy team. And you saw what happened in the end when they elected to not give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and decided to throw it to make the transformation from that style to this is Russ cooking, and it has not worked. Richard Sermon is 100% correct. I just think that those, those days are behind. Russell Wilson still a great quarterback. Still a, a, a Hall of Fame type guy, but I don't think you're going to, moving forward, you're going to get much. See, I still think you can get a lot from Russell Wilson. I think you need to put him in a situation in which he can succeed, which is not to drop back and throw the ball 30, 40 times a game. He, he needs a good defense around him. He needs a legitimate running game, and he needs big-time wide receiver opportunities. Like if you, it, it's, I'm not going to diminish somebody just because they need a little bit more around them. I never really had Russell in that same category as Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes even has Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's not the same as, as Patrick Mahomes, and he's not being diminished. Yeah, that's why I said I never put him what, in that category. That's what he that. is is not being diminished. What it is is people are realizing now exactly what Russell Wilson is at the quarterback spot. That's all it is. He has to, Everything has to be perfect around him, as we saw with the two Super Bowl appearances that he did make. One he won, one that he lost, and he hasn't been back even close to a Super Bowl, much like Richard Sherman said. In fact, Richard Sherman played with him for a number of years, so he has intimate knowledge about what he is as a quarterback. Yeah, but meantime, Russell Wilson has won 10, 11, and 12 <laughs> games before this season consecutively. And was I over that time, you could easily argue – the best player in football over the not in any one year but over the body of work here's here here's the bottom line about Russell Wilson he got paid once you pay your quarterback you have to make a choice can we win with this guy as the focal point because key there's simply not as much money to go around and defenses generally what would you say they last with key players five years or so quarterbacks last at an elite level 15 plus so you understand the decision they made. What are you going to do? Well, they had they, the, the secondary got banged up, okay? That's just the bottom line. Richard Sherman was getting old. Browner was moved on from. Cass Chandler, Chancellor got hurt. Mm-hmm. Earl Thomas wind up leaving. Then he wind up getting hurt. Then he left to go get the big money. So things change as far as that go. But I think when you look at Russell Wilson as a whole, see, I don't believe in a philosophy just because you pay a quarterback, you can't build the team and still be successful. I don't think that that is the case. They still had K.J. Wright. They still had Bobby Wagner. So they had some pieces on that defensive side of the ball, but they went heavy on the offensive side of the ball in trying to make it all about Russell Wilson, Mm -hmm. and that has never been who Russell Wilson was as a quarterback. They made a mistake by thinking that that was the case. You know, it's odd because they went heavy on the offensive side, but you know where they saved money on the offensive side for years? The offensive line. 
Remember the Max Unger trade? They bring in they they bring in a pass catcher in Graham for Russell Wilson, but the offensive line fell apart, and with it, the running game goes down. The quarterback gets hit more. That's a you know they thought and they could Jimmy just Graham draft was guys a thousand years up. old. Max. Yeah, I agree. That's what I'm saying. It's a bad. It was a bad choice. I think that was actually the key more than anything. All right. Um, Does that get talked about enough, Max? What's that? How bad the offensive line was? I just did it. I can't, I, I, all we can do is, is okay. do it here on this show. I, I think it did at the time. I think it did, and then they strengthened it a little bit, and so it's less of a hot topic. But here's the question. The age of 33, Jay, you said you give up stuff for Russell Wilson. I, I would, too, if, if it was the right situation. All right. Um, Joe Robinson, the Titans GM, on 104.5 The Zone Nashville on moving forward with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan's our quarterback. Um, you know, I think he's, he's made a lot of plays for us. Um, he's a great leader. He's extremely tough. He's thrown some really good passes. I mean, he certainly had some that he'd probably have liked to have back. Um, no different than any other position. There's guys that would probably like to have this block or that block back or this pass rush or that push, pass rush back, this route back. It's John Robinson. I think I said Joe Robinson. So the Titans don't consider Aaron Rodgers an option. Are they making a mistake? That was that was reported Friday. They don't consider Rodgers an option. They have, you know, all that stuff. Are, are the Titans making a mistake moving forward with Tannehill Key? If they got something better, I would certainly explore it. But, I, you know, whatever about the Rodgers situation, I don't know that that's dead in the water. I mean, we still haven't even started the offseason yet. Aaron Rodgers is not free. So putting that out there and saying that we are certainly interested in Aaron Rodgers, that wouldn't be anything but tampering. That's all that would be. So. While I wouldn't say anything at all. Two years ago, they did have a, an, ink, an, an interesting deal in going to see uh, whether or not Tom Brady was interested. Then eventually they settled in on Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I think if there was something else available, then they would probably explore it. All right. That's No Huddle brought to you by Mako. Need a paint job on your car? When life throws you uh-ohs, just say better get Mako. Go to Mako.com today. <clears throat> Let's bring in Jeremy Fowler into the conversation. What's going on, Jeremy? What's up, Jay? What's up, Max? What's up, Jay? How you guys doing? Good, good. good. What are you hearing when it when as it relates to Rodgers and Tennessee? You know, it's funny. I actually talked to John Robinson about that quote. He's like, I've said it eight different times that Ryan's our quarterback. He seems sort of flabbergasted by it all. Um, you know, they have a ton of money tied to him. I, I just would be very surprised if Tennessee got involved. I know from Rodgers' side, Packers have been adamant publicly and privately with Rodgers that they want him back. They are in unison on that. It's stronger right now than it was a year ago when this drew out for several months. So I think the, whatever resolution it is, whether he retires or he comes back uh, or they trade him, I think it will be swift. And, you know, it, the, the dominoes are falling more toward him coming back, uh, you know, than working on a new contract for him. I think that would be ideal for the Packers. Mm. All right. So let's, on that note, Jay, okay. Key, yep. let's play a little hot news or not news. Jeremy, you ready? I don't know, man. Let's, you don't know. You're supposed to say know. born ready and all that it stuff. Depends you don't on, know. Depends on how hot it is, man. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll keep it uh, more than tepid for sure. It's going to be hotter than lukewarm. Ready? All right, Aaron Rodgers reportedly buying land in Nashville 
Is that hot news or not news? Well, Jeremy? Nashville's a hot market, so yes, I, it I, is. <clears throat> I, I like the move by Rogers. It's a good financial play, but I don't think it has anything to do with the Titans. He just happens to be buying land in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, a him. lot of people are moving out of Nashville, Matt. I a get it, but huge, huge entertainers and athletes are moving to Nashville. That's right. He's going They're country. Moving to many places. He's going country. He's going. He's starting. He's, that's why the hair is long. He's going to start a country career. No, I. I mean, maybe there's something to it long term, and maybe he's got a play in mind, but um, I, I don't expect the Packers to trade him to the Titans right now. I just mm-hmm. that, that's that does, there doesn't seem to be a lot of momentum there, uh, and the the Titans literally can't get out of Ryan Tannehill's contract. I mean, they would take a massive penalty. I'm looking at it now: fifty-seven million dollars in dead money Oof. this year if they were to move on. Where next year it's so much easier. I just expect them to do one more year with Tannehill, ride it out, and then make a move in 23. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that Ryan Tannehill is their quarterback and they got cap issues and whatnot. But I believe this, Jeremy, if there's something better that's out there and they can get yeah. it, they're going to get it. And I do like the fact that Aaron Rodgers has already started to look at building a, a piece of a home in Nashville, mm-hmm. not necessarily because of the Tennessee Titans, but because of the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Jeremy, if, if Tennessee is out of the picture – and let's say Green Bay, he's not sure. Where would be the best location, do you think, for Aaron Rodgers to go? Where do you think he would want to I, go? I still think the table is set in Denver. I just They have a good roster. They have everything you need but a quarterback. And uh, the new GM, George Payton, second-year guy, he knows it. Uh, Rodgers is a West Coast guy. You know, Maybe he's a Tennessee guy now, but it's been believed that if he were to play somewhere, it would probably be preferable to be on the West Coast. Um, you know, maybe the Raiders could do something with Derek Carr, but Derek Carr, they have a good quarterback. Like, I don't know that um, they would move mountains for that, especially with the new regime coming in where Denver just it just makes a lot of sense. And they had that segue with Peyton Manning, you know, nearly a decade ago. worked out great with John Elway, Peyton Manning sort of connection. They can try to replicate that with a guy like Rodgers. Right. Now we're going to pick up the pace because this is no huddle after all. Lovey Smith is now in talks to be the next coach of the Texans. Hot news or not news? It's hot news. I mean, because this is – the Texans have been at this for three weeks. They'd finished all their interviews, and we we're all waiting on Josh McCown. Like every, most people around oh, the league God. thought McCown was the guy, right? And that they were going to zero in on him, and then they pulled this this fastball. Um, and <laughs> so you know, it's maybe they're. It's. I think it's great they're going with a minority candidate. Maybe they're like with Brian Flores. They didn't want to go with somebody who's who's suing the NFL currently. Maybe that's an issue. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty hot. I mean, this is a guy that's, that's back from uh, Bears folklore and was kind of low-key in, in Houston, and it was like that the guy, the decoy was there the whole time in Houston. The Josh McCoy decoy was just waiting on the staff. Jeremy, I always felt that Lovey Smith was hovering around somewhere because he's, a, first of all, he's a really good defensive coordinator, yeah. but he's a, an exceptional head coach. I just didn't know that they were talking to him yeah. I felt like when the Cully situation started to fester, I'm like, oh, Levy Smith might got action at the head coaching job, but you didn't hear his name. If I'm them, I'm doing it because he's a good head coach, not yeah. because he's black. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, Jeremy, I'm going to say it feels like the week's events have kind of led them and pushed them into a corner, right? That's why maybe you don't hire a guy like Jackson Cowan. And then, uh, obviously, you made mention of what's happening with Brian Flores he already is part of the organization. He understands the organization. He has head coaching experience. It just yeah. seems like it's an easy fit to transition. Not saying he's a long-term answer, but he's a short-term answer. Eric yeah. Bieniemy interviews with the Saints. Jeremy, hot news or not news? Uh, I, I'm going to go not news right now just because um, unless they hire him, then it's hot news. You know, because this is a guy who's interviewed more than 
15 times for head coaching jobs over the last three or four years, obviously qualified. Um, maybe this is the one. That would be a great story. Um, but I, I, you still continue to hear that Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator there, he has a lot of support in the building. Um, if I had to pick somebody right now to predict to be the Saints coach, it, it would probably be him. But, you know, they're, they're doing their work. And uh, BNME met with him, I'm told, for nearly eight hours yesterday. It was a long interview. So maybe that will uh, maybe that creates some momentum for him. Yeah, Jeremy, I'm told that the New Orleans Saints like the culture of coaches that understand what their culture is. The Aaron Glenns, the Dennis Allens yeah. that have been in that building before. I wouldn't discount the Aaron Glenn defensive right. coordinator of the Detroit Lions. A lot of players on that particular team, they love Aaron Glenn sure. and would love to play for him. I, I think it's hot news. I just feel like anytime you hear Eric Bieniemy's name, yeah. Like it makes you perk up. Like you wonder, is this the one? Is this the one? Exactly. Is this the one? Is that name that just keeps on giving? Mike McDaniel for Tua Tungavailoa. Hot news or not news, Jeremy? That's hot news. I mean, th- this is a guy who uh, comes with the Kyle Shanahan cachet. He's young. He's intriguing. Uh, you know, he's a great. Per- it, I really think he's a great personality. Kind of quirky, uh, but really, I, he's got these great sound bites, and I, I enjoy his press conferences. I think it's going to be. It's a new look for Miami. I, I think they needed it after kind of the last couple of weeks. And, and look, if you're going to try to maximize Tua, get somebody from a really good offensive system that's creative and can try to maximize personnel over there. Yeah, I think it's hot news for the simple fact that Mike McDaniel is an offensive coach on the offensive side of the ball but never have called plays yeah. in the National Football League at a large level. So I'm a little concerned about the development of Tua I know they got him for that, but is he calling the plays in Miami? Is he hiring an offensive coordinator? Who's going to develop to it as a quarterback coach? All of those things are extremely important when you hire a coach, not just the tree that he's coming from. Guys, I think think this is massive news. Number one, first off, because there's an allegation against the team owner that he tried to bribe a player, uh, a head coach, for tanking games. Yeah. Number two, it shows you that they're somewhat committed to Tua, which is always a hot topic because we yeah. were talking about Deshaun Watson, all these other things going on. And then it's also a complete contradictory to the style in which Brian Flores coached. He didn't really say a lot of different things. It was intense. You have this guy now, Mike McDaniel, who's a little bit more you know, out there, says things fun. That relationship between him and Tua is going to be fascinating to watch. It's really hot after hearing that. That was, that was a good sell. Yeah, it was. You yeah. did. It was hot news. Trevor Lawrence saying about Doug Peterson, quote, I think everybody is excited. Everybody's really relieved we got our guy and to be able to move forward and go to work now is a really good feeling. Is that hot news or not news, Jeremy? <laughs> I'm going to say not news. It, it, this would have been hot news if they hired uh, Byron Leftwich, right? Because that was the fit. That was the, They had that ready to go. He was a top candidate, and the, but the more they talked – it just became clear that maybe it wasn't going to mesh very well. They seemed committed to GM Trent Baalke, which is a, a hot topic of its own. So, you know, Doug Peterson, look, he's got the Super Bowl pedigree, the cachet, good coach, all that. I think he's going to help them repair the locker room, which they really need after the Urban Meyer mess. But I'm going to go not news. Not news at all, Jeremy. I, I, I echo exactly what you just said. I mean, he's a coach who went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. It would have been news if they hired Byron Leftwich. Yeah, not news. I just do hope that Trevor Lawrence – finds a way when you're in a bad organization to continue to improve. That's a really hard challenge. I agree. I think Trevor Lawrence, of all the rookie quarterbacks, the dude who, when he flashed, was like, oh, ooh, look at that. That looks like those elite guys in those little moments. And his development is like whatever aids his development. And by the way, he's not afraid to let the coach have it after a while if it's dysfunctional. So getting his public vote of confidence. But it's not news because what's he supposed to do right now? Right, of course. 
That's Jeremy Fowler giving the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good to see you, Jeremy, and thank you. Matthew Stafford. For sure. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Matthew right, Stafford Jake. is not the is, is not the uh, only one changing his legacy with this Super Bowl run, guys. Not the only one. That's next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Say, play ESPN. Your smart speakers pop us up. Download the podcast. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. We'll be right back.